0: Welcome to the New Books Network.
1: Hello, and welcome to another episode on the New Books Network. I'm one of your hosts, Dr. Miranda Melcher, and I'm very pleased today to be speaking to Dr. Pardis Madhavi about her book titled Hyphen, published by Bloomsbury in 2021, part of the Object Lesson series um, that really follows the story of the hyphen, both literally as a piece of grammar and writing, as well as a concept that has a much broader meaning. So, Pardis, thank you so much for being with us on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Could we start off, please, with a bit of an introduction from yourself and explain why you decided to write this book?
0: Absolutely. So I consider myself a proudly hyphenated Iranian-American. Uh, growing up, you know, I spent a lot of my time trying to fit on one side of the hyphen or the other, Right so you know I um my parents moved here Uh, during the, they they fled Iran during the revolution. And I was born here, actually, uh, in Minnesota in the United States. And um, I grew up with this constant sense of betwixt and between. Uh, And, you know, my my parents were often talking about returning to Iran, that someday, you know, the revolution would be over. There was always a bag packed in the corner of the room, sort of ready to return. And, you know, so I grew up with this imaginative, sense of Iran, um, though, though I had never, never been there. But I was acutely aware of the fact that I was, um, you know, too Iranian in America, if you will. Uh, you know, I would go to school, you know, in Minnesota, and my, you know, lunchbox was, was filled with, you know, coriander-scented uh, stews. And, my name was, was very different from the other names. And, you know, so I had this very much of a sense of otherness. So uh, growing up, I thought, well, you know, if I ever get to go to Iran one day, you know, that's where I'll fit in, because I didn't feel like I belonged uh, in America. And then I, you know, when I became much older, you know, when I when I turned 20, I actually went to Iran for the first time. And it was actually to to write about the Iranian women's movement and youth movement. But when I arrived in Iran, something very interesting and unexpected happened, which is I felt too American in Iran uh, in the sense that, you know, my my Farsi, my Persian had an accent, um, I constantly, my headscarf was constantly slipping. And so I had this realization, oh my gosh, I'm too Iranian in America, too American in Iran. I think many third culture kids go through this. And so I'd spent so much of my time trying to, to fit on one side of the hyphen or the other. But then, you know, it was it was really as you know. Of course, I then returned to the United States, um, and and over time, um, I started to think more about that that hyphen, that space between, um, and what did it mean to try to fit inside the hyphen. Uh, And then in 2007, um, when uh, I was um, uh, my my citizenship was removed from Iran because I had written a controversial book. Um, you know, it took sort of, I always say it took being kicked out of my ancestral home to really start to interrogate that space between. And when when I started looking at what it was to live in the between, I met so many other hyphenated individuals like myself. And then that started me on a journey around, well, what is the hyphen about, right? What is the what is the history of of the orthography, if you will? What's the history of, of the grammatical mark? And the deeper I delved into the history of the hyphen, the more I became convinced that the history of this grammatical mark very much mirrored the history of hyphenated Americans today.
1: Fabulous. Thank you so much for that introduction. And I think it gives us the perfect kind of place to go next, which is where did the hyphen come from and what was it initially used for? So it's it's a great question. You know, I was fascinated
0: to learn the hyphen was actually invented um, by an ancient Greek grammarian by the name of Dionysus Thrax. And Dionysus Thrax was wandering the halls of the Alexandria Library and trying to figure out the. Um, a way he was, he was a student of, you know, several very prominent grammarians. And he was trying to figure out a way for the written text to come alive. So back then, um, the written text was often sung, not read. So if you had, you know, if, if you had a written text in front of you, people would sing it to perform it. And Thrax was very much taken with the question of how can you signal to the reader slash singer, how can you signal two words that are separate, but that belong together? And he was looking for a way to signal belonging and suturing. And so the hyphen was born. He, he, the initial hyphen that was, that was invented by Thrax was a sublinear U-shaped hyphen um, that he created to suture two words that may have been separate, um, but that needed to go together, that needed to belong together. And so when I learned the history of Dionysus Thrax and when I learned the history of when the hyphen was invented and why, to signal belonging, two words that are separate, but that want to belong, I was fascinated because I thought, gosh, the hyphen it had been seen in the United States, you know, since World War II as something that divides. But here I'm learning that the hyphen was invented to signal belonging. And so I was absolutely fascinated. Hmm. And then the hyphen, you know, became even more commonly used um, by Gutenberg. Um, so fast forward, you know, some hundred years and um, you have Gutenberg who invented the printing press. Um, Gutenberg himself, uh, like Dionysus Thrax, and I should say Dionysus Thrax was a grammarian, but he also loved to sing. And so he was somebody who had these two different identities and was trying to find a way to suture his two worlds. Um, Gutenberg was a poet and an artist. And he um, he was born to a family of blacksmiths. He was very... Um, you know, spent a lot of his time contemplating words and how to make words appear on a page beautifully. And um, his family was not as supportive of his artistic and poetic um, desires. And, you know, the family of blacksmiths, and they kept saying, you've got to come back, you've got to apprentice, et cetera. And so the printing press was initially invented because Gutenberg was trying to find a way to make his poems more readily available and 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 beautiful on a page, but when he first began working on on the Bible, he wanted to find a way to have the words be perfectly justified on a page, even if that meant that sometimes words had to signal that they were part of each other um, and and wrap. And so he used the hyphen, and that that's where the hyphen became. Um, much more popularized. So I, I, I say invented by Dionysus Thrax, um, but really made popularized by Gutenberg.
1: Hmm. Both of which are fascinating stories and also raise a question. If the hyphen was created to bring things together, um, what then changed to get to the point um, in America of it becoming much more of something to separate? So, you point to in the book uh, the role of colonialism and capitalism as having transformative effects on the hyphen. Can you take us through these? Absolutely.
0: You know, so I think I think you know colonialism, and uh, of course, in that the the expansion of empire, if you will, um, that's when you started to have people with, let's say, different national identities coming together. And and I want to be clear, you know, when I started the work on 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 the book, you know, initially I was very much focused on you know Iranian American or you know people say Chinese American and whatnot, but 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 being a hyphenated individual. You know, is, is really just being somebody with, you know, different identities and backgrounds that, that you sort of see coming together. Um, but, you know, it's it's interesting. And the reason I talk about colonialism is because that was when you had people from different nation states, you know, living let's say outside of their homes, right? So, you know, you, you, you might have had, um, you know, in the UK, you might've had, you know, um, British Moroccans, if you will, right. Or British Indians, right. Because of, you know, people sort of moving around or people taking on, um, you know, different forms of empire, if you will. In the United States, you had a lot of hyphenated Americans, right. So you had, um, especially, you know, uh, uh, in, you know, in the times of, of, of World War One and then World War Two is the World War Two is really, uh, when the hyphen became seen as something that divides. Right. Um, <clears throat> and, and it was, you know, you had people who identified as Japanese Americans or Chinese Americans, um, African-Americans, if you will. And um, folks were were sort of, they they had these hyphenated identities. Now in World War II, uh, you started to hear people like Roosevelt and Wilson talking about a hyphenated American is not an American. There was this sense that a hyphenated American was someone with divided loyalties. And, you know, that's when you start to get speeches where people would say, you know, a hyphenated American is not an American. You know, a Japanese American, that's somebody with with divided loyalties. And and we need to come together. To, we need to come together as Americans um, and and really, you know, I I define who we are. And so you start to hear in speeches, people start to um, see the hyphen as a negative thing. It's a sort of a pejorative, they're they're, they're demonizing it because being a hyphenated American is seen as someone who is disloyal to the country. And so you started to see the hyphen right around World War II being dropped initially from identities. So Japanese American dropped the hyphen, Chinese American dropped the hyphen. German-American dropped the hyphen, right, again, because it was seen as this very negative thing. And because the hyphen was so politically charged, um, you even had it in songs. John Wayne has a very famous song where he talks about hyphenated Americans needing to go, you know, by the wayside, if you will. Um, and, And so that's when... hyphen got a lot more closer scrutiny and seen as something that divides. And so that was right around when words that had ordinarily been hyphenated, let's say New York, right? So New York was written new hyphen York, New Jersey, the same new hyphen Jersey. But because of the controversy around the hyphen, the hyphen was dropped. And so, you know, many of your listeners probably are today avid readers of the New York Times. Well, n- might be interesting for you to note, the New York Times had a hyphen in it. The newspaper was written, New-York Hyphen Times. And then, of course, it was right around that time that the hyphen was dropped. So it's interesting to see that something that was really about identity and this question of loyalty um, expanding much further.
1: Absolutely. Um, Definitely going to make, I think, a lot of people look differently next time they look at the New York Times and think about these broader questions as well of, who gets to have what label and what do those things actually mean? So this is something you very much engage with in the book. And you mentioned a little bit already that the power really that comes from saying, actually, this is something that I want to um, own and maybe go back to that earlier meaning of joining together. And you have this great sentence in the book, quote, my power, my authority and my authenticity come from inside the hyphen. Can you take us through this? Absolutely, you know. I
0: think that for me, that that sentence, if you will, or that that notion, that came from me recognizing that when I was learning about the history of the hyphen as something that belonged, um, I then started to track it. So then, you know, in World War II, you had that moment of the hyphen as something that divides. But but what was so interesting to me, honestly, Miranda, was when I I, I started to think about. Um, in 2006, the there was um, an edition of the shorter Oxford English Dictionary that was released, and when that that edition of the dictionary was released, there was also some controversy of people saying there's a hyphen thief on the loose, uh, you know. The hyphen had been removed from some 16,000 words, causing some people to ask the question is the hyphen redundant? And the rejoinder to that, of course, by the editors of the Oxford English Dictionary, shorter Oxford English Dictionary, and grammarians was absolutely not. In fact, the hyphen is something that creates. Um, new words. So the reason the hyphen had been removed from certain words is because it had created something new altogether. And I'd like to give you just a couple of examples. Um, For for instance, the word bumblebee. The word bumblebee had been written bumble space bee for a long time. Then it was bumble hyphen bee. Uh, And then after time, it just became bumblebee, a whole new word altogether right? So the hyphen had been a way station, if you will, to create something new altogether. Way station itself is another example. Way station was written way space station. Then it was yes. written way hyphen station. And then it was just one word, way station, which I think was was very interesting. Um, so as I tracked those words, you know, and I saw that, well, the hyphen is sort of this, this has this mighty power to create something new altogether. And so it's got this, this real power, this tiny orthographical mark has this power. And, um, you know, in some instances, of course, the hyphen will never be removed, right? That, that that was also fascinating to me. You know, when I started to interrogate certain words like ex-husband or ex-wife or mother-in-law, um, the hyphen will never be removed there because it's it signifies something and it holds something. And so as I became more and more aware of the power of this this orthographical mark, I became aware of the power of... Being something new altogether, of not having to fit on one side of the hyphen or the other, but being what people now call, right, this, this idea of third culture kids, right? And I started to see that. Um, so many of us are hyphenated individuals, and I started to see the hyphen as something of a bridge, and I recognized that I myself am something of a bridge, that for so much of my life, I've been trying to bridge two cultures, yes, but beyond that, I realized in my professional world, I was the bridge from academia into policy, into, let's say, the real world. Um, I was the bridge between um, different subcultures. I'm I'm an avid equestrian. I'm 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 a cowgirl, if you will, you know. But I'm also, you know, somebody who likes to translate the, the role and importance of horses. I'm a translator. I'm, I'm somebody who lives in this space in between. And rather than feel like the space in between is neither here nor there or, or a place of confusion, I realized it was a place of great power. If I could embrace that authenticity of being, of living on the bridge, I don't have to commit to any one island. I don't have to. I get to visit all these different islands, academic island, cowgirl island, um, horse girl island, right? Um, I get to visit, you know, um, anthropology island, but I also got to visit gender and women's studies island and and you know, grammar orthographical island. Um, and I realized that I don't have to choose one island, but I get to live on this bridge, this space between. and And the more I started to embrace that, the more I met other bridge people, as I like to call us, that that people who are also living in this space between, who have so many different parts of their identities, and, and they love that space in between. And, and, and that for me was a really powerful moment.
1: Absolutely. And it's one that you recount in the book, along with some of these other bridge people that you meet. Um, so before I maybe ask you about different orthographical bits, is there Perhaps um, a story from one of your students or one of the other bridge people uh, about them embracing the hyphen you'd like to share? Um, yes. I mean, I think
0: that the stories I certainly choose in the book are, are all, you know, amongst amongst my favorites. Um, but I'll, I'll actually share, you know, because your, your listeners could pick up a book. And so maybe I'll, I'll share a, a um, a story of, of, of one of my students who's not in, in the book or he's, he's sort of gestured into the book. It's so interesting when I was writing this book I um... I had, you know, posted an ad for, for my for students at Arizona State University and I had said, you know, if you see yourself as a hyphenated American, you know, the contemplative or the provocation for the, the project, if you will, was really what does it mean to be an American today? And so I, I sort of had put post put out this post saying, if you see yourself as a hyphenated American, come see me. And I remember coming in to my office one day, you know, at the time, and I was I was a dean at Arizona State, and there was a young man sitting in in the office in the lobby, and um he, he presented as 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 white, and I thought, well, this is going to be interesting. And my assistant was there, and she said, he's here for the interview and 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 for the study. And I thought, oh, this is interesting. Okay. And so he came in, and, and then a couple other students came in behind him. Again, also, um, I, I you know, I had not, I had seen a lot of folks who identified as, you know, Mexican American or Chinese American, you know, um, Nigerian American. Those were some of the folks that are introduced in the book. And this, this young man sat down and I said, oh, you're, you're here for the hyphen study is what I was sort of calling it at the time. He said, yes. And I said, oh, tell me. So you see yourself as a hyphenated American? He said, yes. I said, tell me. He said, he said well, you know, Pardis, I Pardis, I I'm a rural American. And I said, "That's interesting. I, I just I hadn't thought about that. You know, as a different type of identity." I said, "Tell me more." He said, "Well, you know, I I I've moved here to Phoenix to to you know the big city at the time, um, from a very rural, tiny, tiny little cow town um, in, in in south of Arizona." And he said, "You know, I've never I've never been in a big city, and I I, I sort of always you know grew up in, in rural, but here I am living in this city and." sort of trying to fit between this being this rural American and, and now this, this big city boy and trying to fit on one side or, or, or the other of am I rural, am I city, am I country, am I city, and um, trying to find that space between. And he said, and I heard you give a talk about, you know, being able to, to embrace the space between, and I heard you talk about the hyphen, and, and I'm here to say I, I want to live in that hyphen too. And, and I, um, I just, I, th- I thought it was such a powerful and resonant story for me. So I've kept it yeah. always close to my heart.
1: No, I, I can absolutely see why. And um, thank you very much for sharing it with us. And I think this is a good moment just to highlight further to listeners that there are a bunch of fascinating stories from people that responded to your open call, um, students in the book. So anyone who wants more of those stories, uh, definitely pick up the book, um, but I'd like to maybe ask about something else, not not just the students at ASU or Arizona State. Um, one aspect in the book that I think kind of brought a lot of these threads together was the discussion you have about the difference between the dash and the hyphen. Because on the one level, this is in some ways a very kind of nerdy grammatical difference. Yes. But there's also a political element to it as well. So can you take us through what this difference might be?
0: Sure. So, so I will say that the, that the dash, which is slightly longer, so your listeners might be wondering, well, don't they look? though they look the same, right? And and I think you know, if you're if you're looking at your keyboard, listeners, you know, the hyphen is going to be if you're in that upper right hand corner, if you hit the sort of shift button, the the hyphen is going to be the lower part of those two lines that are right next to your plus and equals sign. The dash is a bit longer, just to the eye, right? Um, and it's coded a little bit differently, right? Um, but the dash very much is to signify um, a pause, if you will, right? Something that is a little bit more of a divisive orthographical mark. Um, it, it, it's also meant to um, create a, a stopping point for the reader, even if the reader is reading as spoken or whether it's reading sort of internally. So the dash is, is like I said, longer. The hyphen is, is meant to bring together. The dash is meant to offer a, a moment of contemplation about whether or not something is separated, whether or not a thought can and should be connected. And so it's, it's really more about taking a beat. Um, it, it, it is a little bit more of a divider, um, but I to me I like to see it as an invitation to reflect on it you know, whether or not the things on either side of the of the hyphen are meant to stand apart or not. It's it's meant to be a provocation, I think.
1: Hmm. An interesting thing to think about, I think, next time anyone uses a hyphen or a dash is hang on, am I trying to bring something together? or put a pause in, probably more helpful than going, which one's the longer one again? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's
0: so funny, Miranda, I've, I've, I don't know how it's happened, but I've become some sort of hyphen experts. So I've got friends who are constantly emailing me saying, um, you know, sh- should I should I hyphenate this or not? And then should I do hyphen or a dash? And, you know, another, I just used the word, which reminded me of another example for your listeners, email. Email is another mm. great example, right? Mm-hmm. So email used to be written E space mail, right? And then it was E hyphen mail, right? And now it's just one word email. Um, so again, showing how the hyphen can can suture and create something new altogether.
1: It's a great example. Um, on that point of people asking you for advice, what do you want writers to do with the hyphen? How do you think people should consider using it?
0: So I think my first hope was that people continue to use it. I think you know the saddest thing for me was when you just look in the abstract at the conversation around World War II, wherein folks were saying, you know, a hyphenated American is not an American, and the hyphen was being dropped. Right, the beloved hyphen was being dropped, and then you fast forward to 2006, where people were saying, well, it's been removed from 16,000 words. Maybe it's no longer necessary. That was heartbreaking for me um, because I think the hyphen is very necessary, and it it, it has this beautiful power like I said to, to create new things to bring together things to to be a space of a bridge so for certain words that will always need a hyphen so I guess I would say you know to answer your question, I think I just want writers to keep using it, to keep playing with it, to not be afraid, to ask yourself, well, should these two words be hyphenated or should they not? Um, and and what do we want to signify? Here are two very separate words. What do we want to signify by bringing them together or not? I, I really just want writers to, to continue to get creative with it. And then, you know, the other thing I, I want um, – People who are hyphenated people, hyphenated Americans, hyphenated Brits—you know, hyphenated individuals—to to see that there is that beautiful space in between, so that they don't have to pick one side or the other; that they can
1: that they can live in that in between. Mm. That answers the, my next question already: of what you hope people take away from this book. It's a it's a lovely idea and uh, one very much to encourage. That leaves me only really with my final question. Um, I can imagine that there's sort of a never-ending effort on this to embrace the hyphen, to help other people embrace the hyphen. Um, Yes. But of course, being a bridge, as you said, involves many different identities and interests and putting things together. So is there anything you've been working on since this hyphen book or are currently working on, whether or not it's about the hyphen, (laughs) that you'd like to highlight or preview to the audience? Well, thank you for that invitation. Absolutely. So
0: actually, um, my latest book came out earlier this year in August. It's called Book of Queens. And um, I, I think that writing hyphen is what um, a sort of – was the bridge, if you will, from my academic writing to my more public writing. So Hyphen was a crossover book. Um, my current book, the book that I, that's I that been published in August, it's called Book of Queens, um, the true story of the Middle Eastern women who fought the war on terror. That is a completely trade book, but it's the story of my grandmother. And, um, you know, it, it was for me in embracing my many identities, um, because I, I always had this sort of sense of division being a cowgirl made me less of an Iranian. And then I started to delve into my own past, and I found out, I learned that my grandmother, whom I had only ever met once as a six-year-old girl because she passed away. My grandmother had been an avid horsewoman in Iran, and she had worked very closely with um, an American by the name of Louise Firouz um, to breed the Caspian horse out of extinction. Caspian horses are today the oldest living breed of horses on the planet. Um, they, they, They date back the farthest. And I should say that Caspian horses are a favorite of the British royal family, Princess Anne. Um, has helped to breed many Caspian horses out of extinction. And Prince Philip was a great protector of the Caspian horse. But it turned out that it was actually my grandmother that helped to breed Caspian horses out of extinction. And um, one of the things that she did with these horses is she used the horses um, to help smuggle women out of domestic violence situations in Iran by um, putting these women on horseback and riding from Iran into Afghanistan. This is in the 1960s and 70s. And she would carry, she would have these horses carry their riders to safety in Afghanistan by getting the horses drunk on homemade whiskey um, so that they would be calmer at the border crossing. And then these women that she helped to smuggle over the years from Iran into Afghanistan, they helped to build an all-female army that fought the Taliban many years later in 2001. So that's what Book of Queens is about. So I would not have been able to write Book of Queens had it not been for the hyphen book because the hyphen book was my bridge from academia to more public writing stylistically. Um, But it was also in um, exploring my own many hyphenated identities that I was able to learn this very rich history of the fact that my grandmother was an Iranian cowgirl as well
1: that is an incredibly rich history. Um, It's it's very cool to uh, have that, to have discovered that, and to then let the rest of us into that story as well. So thank you very much for sharing that with us. Is there any upcoming work you'd like to highlight? Or should we end with the idea of drunk horses crossing the border and freeing women for epicness? (laughs)
0: <laughs> that seems like a great place to end, Miranda. I'm always working on other projects, but I think that's the place, um, that's what I'm most excited about currently.
1: That's a pretty exciting place to be. So fair enough. Um, for our listeners, as a reminder, we've been discussing the book Hyphen from the Object Lesson series from Bloomsbury. Pardees, thank you so much for being with us on the podcast. Thank you so much for
0: having me. It was such a pleasure.